On this Thursday night of August the 16th, 1979, we're still dealing with the theme, the renewed mind, the key to power. And tonight, trusting God's word. The average individual in the world is skeptical about the things of God, very skeptical, because they've had their legs pulled so often they no longer know which way to turn or what to do. But you have to put your trust in something. You believe something. Every individual here tonight trusts something. You trust, you believe something. In spite of all of men's skepticism about God and the things of God, religion, Christianity, every one of them believes something. Even if they don't believe anything, they believe something because they believe that they don't believe anything, which is believing something. That's like the infidel. That's an impossibility to be an infidel, as far as I'm concerned, but I guess can be. He believes that he doesn't believe, and therefore he believes that he doesn't believe. That, so he believes in something, which is that he doesn't believe, so he can't be an infidel. It's impossible. Semantically, it's impossible in every other category. But you know something? What has amazed me in the years that I've been in this ministry, and this is almost... 40 years, so you all know I'm over 39, bless your heart. <laughs> it's a great fact that people will trust their bank, but they won't trust God's word. That has amazed me. They'll trust their banker, but they won't trust God's word. They'll trust a loaf of bread. They'll buy a loaf of bread. It says it's supposed to weigh so many ounces on the outside. The reason I know this, I checked one of them today, just to be sure that nobody was going to hang me by what I taught tonight. Tells you on the outside it weighs so much. A can of baking powder has so much weight. How many of you have ever checked that loaf of bread to weigh it? How many of you have ever taken a can of baking powder and weighed it? How many of you weigh the gasoline that they put in your automobile tank at a dollar a gallon going up to two? So you trust somebody, right? You believe something. Through the years I have learned that there is absolutely no error in the greatness of God's word. There may be errors in translation, but when you work in research, like the way international is known for nationally and internationally, we're a group of research men. And when you work the integrity and accuracy of the word, Sir, I cannot find a mistake in the word. That is why I can trust God's word. That's why tonight I want to deal in the, with the renewed mind, the key to power, trusting God's word. You cannot trust theologians, ministers like me or anyone else unless what we say is documented in the Word of God and you yourself can read it, honey, and you can understand it. The Word, the Word class, is God's presence with us in written form. God is what class? Spirit. John 4, 24. God is Spirit. A spirit, you can't see it, smell it, taste it, or touch it. It has to, if a spirit's ever visible, it would have to come into concretion. Now, God is spirit. You can't see God. 
But when God gave his revelation of himself, which is in his what? Word. This is why the word is God's presence with us in written form. If you want to play football, we play by what rule book? That's right. If you want to take, play tennis, you play by a tennis rule book. Golf by a golf rule book. Well, ladies and gentlemen, by sheer logic, if you're going to play in God's league, by whose rule book do you play? And this is about the last thing anybody knows anything about. They talk about it, but when you pin them right down, they don't know it. That's why the way ministry and biblical research and teaching is reaching out around the nations of the world to men and women who really want to know, who really want to be able to understand that their lives are not built on trusting something that later on they find out is erroneous. The Word of God class is the revelation of the Father to His children. That's the Word. The Word of God was never written for unbelievers. The Word of God is not written for the God-rejectors, the critics, those who don't believe there's a God in heaven, much less care. It's getting hot up here. I wanted you to see the lining of the coat anyways. It was a gift from me from one of them. Bless their heart. Look, what was I talking about? Yeah, 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 I hear you. I hear you. Good. Look, people take a crack at the word. People say they don't believe God's word. They think this is a bunch of baloney, a bunch of junk. But it's their privilege to believe it. You know, if you want to go to hell, have a happy trip. It's your privilege. <laughs> right. But the word of God, when you worked, and I did this last night with you, I set the great patterns of it. If you ever want to know God's will, you have to come to what? God's word. And this word of God is written for men and women who will to believe, who want to know God. That's what the word. It was never written for the critic and the unbeliever. It was written for men and women who want to know God and the power of God, who want to walk with the Christ in them, the hope of glory. So it's your book and mine because we love God and we believe God and we want to know God's will for our life. So we don't have to screw around a lifetime and then find, up when it, find out when it's all over with, we just miss the whole boat. That's why your attitude class your attitude toward the word determines the position the word holds in reigning in your life. It, this is, it's, it's called old and new what? Testament. You know what a testament is? It's a will. Even, even the rankest unbeliever talking about the Bible talks about the Old Testament. He just hangs himself. If it's an Old Testament, it's the old, original what? Will. If it's New Testament, it's the new what? Will. That's right. A man makes a last will and what? Is that 
last will and testament the will of that man or that woman who makes it. What about God then? What about God, people? What about God? If, if you can make a last will and testament and we abide by what you say, sir, what about God Almighty? If he writes his word, then we ought to go by what the word says, not by what people say about it. This word class must become as real or even more real to you than your best friend. Then it will begin to have some regnancy in your life, some power. You, you trust your best friend, right? How about trusting God's what? Word. That's right. Jesus Christ, class, did a perfect work for us. And when we are born again, he does a perfect work in us. The two prepositions are very important, for and in. Jesus Christ, I'll say it once more did a perfect work for us. And when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, he did a perfect work in you. That's why it's eternal life. Now, <laughs> believing the word of God brings you to the place that you will act upon the word as it is written. And specifically regarding that which is addressed to you. And as you act on the word of God, which Jesus Christ made available to you, you continue to, he continues, Jesus Christ, acting on the word class, Jesus Christ continues to do a perfect work on our behalf at the right hand of the Father, for he is at the right hand of the Father, and he ever liveth to make what? Intercession for the saints according to the will of what? God. In Luke chapter 5 is a fantastic record that elucidates and clarifies some of the things that I have on my heart regarding the subject tonight of trusting God's word. If you're going to trust men's word, if you're going to trust the labels on food products, what about God's word? If there is a God, and if this is the declared revelation of God, we have to come to the place that this word of God has preeminence in our life. Not what men say about it, but class, what does it say about itself? And here in Luke, it came to pass in verse 1, that as the people pressed upon Jesus, him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. It's also called, I think, the Sea of Galilee and one other, Tiberias or something. Three different names in the Bible for the same lake. Doesn't bother me any. We got Lake St. Mary's over here, eight miles away 
On the west side, they call it, I've heard people refer to it as Salina Lake. If you look on the map of Ohio, both of them are wrong. It says Grand Lake. Three different names for it up here. Maybe they got other names for it, too, that I don't know about. So this is the sea, the Lake of Gennesaret, verse 2. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he, Jesus, entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him. You know, he didn't have a prayer meeting. It's an old English usage. He asked him, he requested of him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And then he, Jesus, sat down and taught the people of the ship. And verse 4, when he had left speaking, when he had quit speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a what? You'll notice the word nets is plural, right? N-E-T-S. The S on the end makes it plural, right? Jesus said to Peter, Simon Peter, launch out in the deep and let down your N-E-T-S. Nets for a what? Now, if Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he always did the Father's will, then would this be like the Word of God? Definitely. Definitely. So Jesus Christ has given Peter the word of God. And the word of God is launch out in the deep and let down your N-E-T-S for a what? Draw. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, here we go. Hold on. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Well, one would have believed that Simon would have literally acted upon the word of God, wouldn't you? He had the word of God. He had Jesus Christ himself saying it to him. One would have th thought that with Jesus Christ saying, he would have said, come on, fellas, hold on. Set sail, we're moving. But Peter had not come to the place yet of trusting God's word. Like so many of us, it takes us a few years to catch on. It takes us a long time to get around. When the Lord says jump, that you don't say why, Lord. You know, I would y'all speak and tell the lie, Lord. You know. Great, huh? Launch out in the deep. Simon, let down your nets for a drop. Simon said, uh, but master, master, I'm in verse 5 and I'm reading the word. We have toiled all night and taken nothing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's that got to do with the word? Nothing, but it's man's reaction when he hasn't really learned to trust God's word. He'll give, it, give God all the arguments. Look, I've been a goody-goody boy. I haven't cheated anybody too much. I don't see any reason why I should get born again. You know, I, 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 I do as good as my neighbors. I go to church. I pray. I count my beads. I burn my candles. I put my money in. All kinds of arguments except one thing. They don't walk on the word. That's right. 
Look, Lord, uh, we toiled all night. We, we fished all night. Now you're telling us. Lord, why don't you stick to theology? We know the fishing business. <laughs> That's what was in little old Pete's head. That's right. Old Peter, he was a fisherman by trade. Don't fool yourself. That old boy knew his business. He had to live by it. He was nobody's stupid fool. And I can just see this in Peter's mind. Look, Lord, you're a nice fella. You're great. You know, you're wonderful. We love you. And we just love to hear you teach the word, Jesus. But when it comes to fishing, don't mess in our business. We know what we're doing. Ha! That's something. So human. So human. I want to remind you, too, this was before Pentecost. After Pentecost, there's a big change in this old boy. Uh, yeah. And now he's going to make Jesus feel real good. You know, he's been his friend. Don't make him feel good. After all of those negatives, he says, Nevertheless, at thy what? Nevertheless, Jesus, at thy word, I will let down thee. Next word. Singular. What? Singular. Every critical Greek text, every Aramaic text, singular. Verse 4, every critical Greek text, every Aramaic text, plural. What do you think the word of God was? Nets is right. Let down your nets. Let everything out you got, Peter. Let it all hang out or something like you, like you kids talk about. Bless your heart. <laughs> and old Peter said, but Lord, you know, we, we're fishermen. But Lord, just to prove to you that we're the fishermen, we won't let out the nets, but we'll let, we'll just, we'll just let one out. Ready something. If you want the greatness of the abundance of the divine presence of God, you carry the word of God out literally. Right. But isn't man unique, you know? God's word says one thing and then man screws it up or invalidates it or brings it down to what he thinks. And that's the greatness of seeing the life of Peter here. Exactly how human he was before he renewed his mind to trusting God's word implicitly and explicitly. Well, he said, I'll take down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, their net bait. And they beckoned on their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. So they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. He said, oh, Lord, depart from me. Oh, God, I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord. Finally caught on. <laughs> That's a, a great, beautiful word of God. Now, look, you can't fall down at anybody's knees. Have you tried it lately? You'd have to be levitating or do it something like that. It's a figure of speech, which means in all humility, he just fell down. And he said, Lord, I really screwed this one up. And he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful what? Right. Class, you've got to quit arguing with God and his word. You're not the critic of the word. 
the words the critic of you. Man is judged by the word. Your believing, your action in life, your walk is determined by what the word says. It's the critic of your walk. You check out your walk and your life according to what? Boy. You see, class, God's only means, I said only, and that's what I mean. God's only means of reaching the senses man, the man of the natural man of body and soul who gets his information via the five senses. God's only means of reaching the senses man is through his word. Through his word. You and I become Christ-like class to the extent that the word lives triumphantly in us. God's word is always now. Capital N, capital O, capital W. God's word is not a has-been. God's word is always like an eternal now, honey. His word is always what he is. His word is his message class. His word is his voice. His word is God speaking. His word is God's mind. His word is God's way. His word is God's will. That's all I can think of now, but it's a lot more than that. Guarantee you. Remember the record in Matthew temptation. Four, Matthew four, four. Temptation, I believe. Jesus Christ said, man shall not live by what? Bread alone. But by what? Every word. Every what? That proceedeth from the mouth of God. The mouth of God is the figure condescensial, but it proceeds from God. This is God's word. This is the mouth of God, sir. And man is to live not by bread alone, but in contrast by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of what? So what you want to be sure of if you're going to discipline your life is that you're disciplining it by God's word and not by what some jerk says. That's right. You've got to be sure it's God's what? And the best way to be sure is read the rule book. Read it yourself. That's the way to know. That's right. It's his word. Man shall not live by what? That means we need a little bread. But when you look at most people, they've had too much bread and they're skinnier and crazy spiritually. You know, you gals look pretty good. So do you men. You see, most people get plenty of bread, physical food, but they don't get what? God's food. And that's why people are so decrepit spiritually. Look, 
if you had the wrong kind of food and you didn't eat right kind of food for months and months and months, physically you'd get what? Ill, sick, diseased. Well, what do you think has happened to mankind through these years? Because nobody's taken them back to the word. They just talk about the word, round about it. They never get to it. That's why we're sick. We're sick as individuals. We're sick as a nation. We're sick as nations. Because we will not come back to the word. We do not trust God's word. Because we have been taught in our culture, all you have to be is a good Joe. Everybody's headed the same way. We're all going to make it. You're damn right. Straight to hell unless you come to the word. That's right. Right. Where you're gone. There is only one name given under heaven whereby men must be what? Have you ever read it in a book? That's the rule book. Now, I have nothing against Mohammed. I have nothing against Buddha. I haven't got anything against anybody except I'm highly in favor of the word. And I happen to know if the word is right, you've got to get born again. And the only way you can do it is through Jesus Christ. Now, in the United States of America, if someone wants to be a Buddhist, that's great. Somebody wants to be a Hindu, that's okay with me. If he wants to be nothing, it's okay. But there's one thing he can't tell me either. That is that I can't believe God and his word and take my freedom away from me, which they're trying to do. Right. That's why, class, you've got to get back to trusting God and his word. The renewed mind is getting to the trust of that word. That you'll trust that word more than any man who speaks about it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the word will always speak more loudly for itself than any man can speak in its behalf. That's right. I've taught the word of God for so many years, and every time I teach it, I feel like, I just don't feel like I did the best job because there is nobody that can say it as beautifully and as great as the word itself says it. It's really something, people. Man shall not live by what? But, but by every what word that proceedeth out of what? So man needs two things. He needs physical food and he needs food that feeds the soul or the life of that man, which is from the word. Doesn't say Rig Vedas, doesn't say Koran, doesn't say Buddhist scriptures. It says the word. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the word. Right. Now take a look at Job. Show you another wonderful verse. Somebody re re recently pronounced it job. He'd been in Sunday school for 20 years. 23. Job 23. Sometimes this India paper sticks together. 
Verse 11 of chapter 23 of Job, everybody's eyes in the word again, so you know I'm reading what's written to you. My foot hath held his steps, his ways, God's ways, have I what? And not declined. Text reads, literal Hebrew text, departed from. Verse 12, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I, Job, have esteemed the words of his mouth, God's mouth, more than my what? Necessary food. Man shall not live by what? But by... So for Job, Job esteemed, Job kept the word of God, and it was the joy and rejoicing of his what? It was more than physical food, meant more to him. More than my necessary food, physical food. How many people have you known in your parts of the country and world who spend more time working the Word of God than they do eating physical food? Very few of you have met. Very few. Most people spend more time, more money, more effort buying physical food and eating it than they ever spend time on the Word of God. Because this has just become an old fogey book. First of all, nobody can put it together. That was interesting when I was with Dr. Allen at Munster, Germany, at the research area. And by the way, Dr. Allen is one of the great professors, one of the worldwide three most recognized men in Greek. He came from East Germany, escaped out of there, and he had been collecting uh, manuscripts, putting them on microfilm-like stuff. And uh, he escaped from East Germany and came into West Germany and finally ended up, the only, the only place they'd give him anything to work at was at Munster, Germany, at the university there. So he set up there and he's been there ever since. Perhaps 98% of all the known manuscripts of the world are at Munster, Germany. That's why Walter goes there, because you've got all the stuff there. Not original manuscripts, but copies of them. Photostatic and, uh, what do you call it, microfilm copies of them. And there you have the opportunity to check 95 to 98. Walter will know more about this than I do, but I opened the door for the way ministry. And by the way, any of us that are in research in the way ministry have free access to the university at Munster to do research and to be with Dr. Allen and his Greek men because he has the highest respect for the work of our scholars that we have been doing there. But when I met him first, he asked me, he said to me, what do you want to do here? I mean, what, what's your plan? Well, first thing he said, can your men read manuscripts? And I said, yep, yeah, read manuscripts and asked a few other questions. But I had a pretty good entree in, with him because I am a grad of Princeton Theological Seminary and uh, the top, that's 
One of the three uh, great professors, uh, recognized professors in Greek is uh, a classmate of mine that was formerly, a, he and I were doing our masters at the same time in Princeton. He is now head of the Greek department at the theological seminary. So I used his name. And uh, the other one is my friend, and I've forgotten in that awful to get you, forget your friend's name, in uh, uh, Manchester, England, at the university there. Say it again right over here. Right. Whatever he said is right. <laughs> I don't know if he's still there. He was a year or so ago when I was there. Maybe he's retired now. I've been trying to get him to the United States, and I'm still believing he'll come and visit us and be here some rock of ages time. I'd like for you to meet this great, wonderful man, great scholar. Well, I knew him because I'd been in the uh, John Ryland's uh, library, which is one of the great libraries in the world, at Manchester, England. And uh, we were doing work in Aramaic, Aramaic texts or looking for Aramaic stuff. And I met uh, the professor. So when I got to Munster, Germany, Dr. Allen said, well, what are you after? And I said, well, what we're after in research is, again, to be able to put the Bible together, that it'll fit like a hand in a glove, to work it, to make it fit. And Dr. Allen sat there and he laughed, and he said, nobody can do that. Nobody can do that. And then I said, but Dr. Allen, may we not have the opportunity to try? And he said, you surely may. And after about an hour when we were together, and by the way, he's the first man that I've ever been with in all my life. When you had dinner, you know, and they, they get a bottle of good wine or, and you have dinner with them, he's the first man I've ever been with where that that fellow pours a little bit in a glass, you know, and then he wants you to sample it, and then you go, you know. I do the same thing because I don't know a damn bit about wine, you know. <laughs> Dr. Allen took a sip of that. He looked at it, smelled it, handed it back to the fellow in Germany. He said, don't you serve that rotten stuff because I have a guest with me. He said it in German. <laughs> He, said, he sent the stuff back because I think what they did is put other wine in a bottle that had a different label on it. And old Doc Allen knew his wine, evidently. Sent it back to him. I felt more embarrassed than the waiter did, I think. <laughs> As we went along, I said, well, Dr. Allen, since we can't put it together, what's been happening? Why, he said, nobody can put the Bible together. There's so much disagreement. Among Well, I said, what are you a research place for there with all these men? What do these men come for that look for texts when they do a translation of the Bible, for instance? And at that time, there was one translation just being prepared and coming out very soon. Well, he said what they come for is to find, if at all possible, some text that will corroborate and substantiate their theological position. That's Dr. Allen. Isn't that something? That's not research. That's a bunch of junk. 
Right. We're in research. We're in research, and as far as I know, we're the only biblical research center in the world. Research we're in. We don't, we don't care, we don't care where it comes out. If the Baptists have to do without water, that's their problem, not mine. You know, if the Methodists need a little more, that's their problem. You know, it's just a little piece of logic that we should have everybody's mind. You know, the Baptists immerse, the Anglicans or the Episcopalians dip. That's right. And uh, the rest of us Protestants, a lot of us, we, uh, what do we do? Sprinkle, right? And the Quakers and other groups, they just sit and think they're getting baptized. <laughs> I call it dry cleaning. <laughs> I'm glad you like me and don't all go home. <laughs> but let me challenge you. Look, if there is a word, a rule book, if there is a rule book, can you play basketball by four different rule books? How do they play basketball? How about, how they, come on now, how do they play baseball? How many rule books? Why can't you get that honest with God? Oh, we can't afford to because we build our denominations on error and we got to keep that thing going, you know. <laughs> I thank God we're in research. And if the Bible sets up something that it fits like a hand in a glove from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22-21, whatever the thing is, we change our minds and believe what the Word says. We don't go along with our error. We change. Try. Like that. That's how you finally got to the place to know that there were four crucified with Jesus instead of what? Two. That's how you got to know that Jesus Christ died on Wednesday instead of Good Friday, because most of us can add to three. Got up on Saturday. That's right. Hundreds of things. That's why we got to the knowledge of the Holy Spirit field. The difference in the usage of words, panuma, hagion, and so forth. That's how we learn from God's word that the dead are not alive now, that they're dead until Christ comes back. That's how we learn that Jesus Christ is not God from the word. <laughs> I really felt sorry for... Reverend and Mrs. Wilkerson, the trunk leaders of Great Britain, having to go to New Knoxville tonight to the meeting. I'm the fellow that asked them, so I felt sorry for him. But you know, here's somebody over here at New Knoxville all week long while we got this. He's over there talking about me, my heir. I haven't talked a damn thing about him. I'm showing you the book. I don't give a hoot what he does. But I sent, I sent Wilkinson's over there along with another couple tonight to get the experience of that, you know. Uh, yeah. 
It's real neat. Isn't it wonderful to belong to a ministry? We don't have to argue and fight. We just go work the word. One of the men, one of the men that came back last night, he said, I think when the week is over with, he ought to take a hate offering. <laughs> he's not building anything. He's just tearing down. Ladies and gentlemen, any stupid fool can tear things down. Takes a man with commitment and knowledge to build things. You know, you can go out here on these grounds or in any of these beautiful woods. You can cut one of those great oaks down in five minutes. Took a hundred years to grow it or a hundred and fifty. Anybody can tear the word of God apart. How about finding somebody who can put the stupid stuff together? God bless you. That's why we, we don't fight against other groups. They can do what they want to. But if you've got any logic in your head, you know if it's one rule book, the same rule book could not say immersion, dipping, sprinkling, dry cleaning. <laughs> Nor could it say what it says about the Last Supper, where it becomes the body and the blood, or it just represents it, or as the Lutherans have taught, in, with, and under is the body and the blood of Christ. Nor the other group that just sit and think they're taking it. And yet over all these doctrines, Christians have killed themselves. They have fought. They have literally fought. They have literally killed people. Right? What a great history of Christianity, isn't it? The cruelest thing in the world is religion. Second cruelest is politics, because politics is generally religion. It's two cruelest things in the world. Christianity is truth. That's not cruel. Christianity is truth. It's not a religion. Religions are man-made. Christianity is what God wrought in Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Try. Men like Buddha, men like Muhammad may have been great men. But there's one thing they never did is got up from the dead. Amen. That's right. And even the historian Josephus, who was not a Christian, said that this Jesus did rise from the dead. Even an unbeliever, so to speak, admitted that he rose. I know that the greatest proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so tremendous that there is absolutely no question about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But up until this day, 1979, nobody has ever gotten up except Jesus Christ. That's all. That's why he is our Lord and Savior. God raised him from what? That's right. Boy, people, look at Mark, bless your heart. Mark, show you something here. The word has to be the joy and what? Of your heart. Well, in spite of what the rest are doing, we have been finding manuscripts by the barrel full that just 
have through the years put all this stuff together. That's why we don't have to argue the word with people. We just sit down and read the script to them. Then if people want to argue, it's their problem. It's still God's word. You know, God had the first word. I imagine he'll have the last one. See? In between time, there may be a few women. I don't know. But when it's all said and done, class, man is on the stage for a very brief period of time. God's word liveth and abideth forever. And I told you Mark, Matthew, Mark, chapter 16, a great record in here that will just bless you. And remember where I showed you, you've got to trust God's what? Word. Matthew, I mean uh, Mark 16. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of whom? Ladies and gentlemen, if he was God, God's got to be sitting on his own right hand. How stupid can you get? It's amazing how stupid men can be when it comes to the things of the Spirit. Amazing. If they were that stupid in business, they'd all be protégés of the government forever. Common vernacular poorhouse. But you see, anything goes, anything goes with God and the Word. Nuts to that. The Word means what it says and what? And John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten what? It doesn't say God gave himself, he gave his only what? I want to tell you, God ain't stupid. Mrs. Werbel and I have two sons and I'm not God. It would seem to me if he's God Almighty, created the heavens and earth, you ought to remember if he had one or two or three. Now don't get mad and go home. If you do, you're the one that has the problem, not me. All I do is add. And when a man gets so that he's an adult, you know, adult, four years old or something, and he gets around five, if he can't add to three, there's something very radically wrong someplace. Hey, he received up into heaven, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, received up to heaven, and he sat down on what? And the right hand of God's a wonderful figure of speech. Means he's right on. He's exactly where he ought to be. Because in the Bible, the left hand's the hand of cursing. The right hand's the hand of blessing. Read it yourself. It's in the book. So I learned this stuff. I just read this thing occasionally. Verse 20. And they, the apostles, went forth. The apostles went forth. See, they, they're trusting God's word. The apostles are going to go forth and they preached everywhere. They preached everywhere. Even in those nations where it said 10 years imprisonment, they did what? Even where they said about Diana the Ephesians, every place they went what? Preached. Preached everywhere. The Lord working what? With them. The Lord working with them and confirming, substantiating, undergirding, confirming the word with signs following. The Lord worked with them. Why did the Lord work with them? Because they preached the word. Preached the word. 
The Word of God's the will of God. When this Word of God is taught, then God backs it up. It's His power. If I teach the Word and it's not the right Word, can God back it up? No, it'd be the wrong stuff. He can't back that up. But look at this. They went forth. So the first thing is get going. Showed you that last night from Joshua, remember? Arise, go. And they preached everywhere the word. And the Lord worked with them. And the Lord confirmed, substantiated, did it. The word, he confirmed the word. He confirmed the word. He backed up the word with signs what? The Lord working with them. When you trust God's word and you know God's word in your mind, put on the mind of Christ. Let this word be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When that word lives in you, sir, and you trust God's word. And when you speak God's word, then who backs it up? Right. Let's say I speak the word to you and you say nuts to it. She would have the right, right? Freedom of will to do it, right? Well, then God cannot confirm his word to her because she is by the freedom of her will doing what? Rejecting it. But when you hold forth God's word, class, and there's somebody out there that hears it, who puts the push to it? Who backs it up? God does. That's why the word liveth and abideth forever. That's why you get your trust in the word, not in people, but in the word. And as men and women hear that word and they believe it, then God Puts the oomph to it, the power. He backs up his what? In the Gospels it says, even to the end there will not be one jot or tittle of the word that will ever fall by the wayside. All be. Ladies and gentlemen, a man has to have something he believes in. Every man believes in something. Why don't you challenge the men and women of the world to again come back to the word? And believe this, for this is life. Thank you very much. God bless.